Well, we are continuing our series today, as I mentioned earlier, on having the best year of your life here in 2016. So if you've got your Bibles, you can uh, open them up to Ephesians, and uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, the last part of 5, and the first part of uh, 6. So last week, we started this series of looking at this best year, and we said, you know what? It's not that we are going to define the best year of our life based on the size of our bank account at the end of the year, our job title, our circumstantially. Uh, you know, because there are certain circumstances we can control, and then there's things in our life that we can't control. And if we base our feeling of what's good or what's bad or where we're going to be at the end of this year based on circumstances, we, we might have some control, but it'll, it'll be like a roller coaster in our life. And so we said that actually the best way to approach having the best year of your life is to look at relationships and how do you handle relationships that impact your life. And we said, you know, every day... Our, you know, where we are in our life is really impacted by our relationships. If we wake up and have a good day with our, our wife, a good start to the day, then maybe it helps us through the day. If it starts off bad, it's going to impact the rest of our day. If we get to work and it's just a horrible day, it's going to impact that night when we get home. And so how we engage in these relationships impact. And last week we looked at how do we have peace with ourselves? And it was really important to understand and to start here because it was this truth that it's hard for us to have peace with other people if we're not at peace with ourselves, And we talked about, we looked at a passage out of Hebrews that talked to us, how do we look at life optimistically? How do we, you know, not just walk around with our heads down and our shoulders dragging and say, what's the worst that can happen today? But instead thinking of what's the best that can happen today. We, we said, you know, don't compare as we go through this life. Try not to compare and say, look at who I'm better than or who's worse than me. And then we looked at, you know, how to embrace opportunities and serve cheerfully as we go through this life. And so hopefully, maybe as you were hearing that message or as you're beginning to live that, like as, as we feel peace come into our lives, it's then much easier to express that kind of peace to other people. You see, God is the source of peace. But as we experience it in our lives, then we can express it. And a lot of times we try to have peace in other relationships, and we don't have any to give in our life. So it starts there, and that's why it's important to remember that. But today we're going to look at the next closest relationship in our life, beyond ourself, which is our family members, those that we interact with. And I can guarantee you, everybody sitting in this room, when I mention family relationships, you have a different thing that comes to mind than the person sitting next to you. We've all had varying types of family relationships. For some of us, it's a very positive image that comes to mind. Like we think, man, we just came off of Christmas and the holidays with family. It was a great time. I wish we could do it more. I mean, it's just, it's a very positive, uplifting feeling that comes over us. A place of security, love, and happiness comes to mind. For others of us, it's kind of this neutral feeling. You know, like, I, I love my family. They're good people, but... You know, I don't have to be around them. I don't have to call my mom on the phone every week to have peace in my life. I don't have to. You know, it's kind of a neutral feeling. Not good or bad, just kind of like, okay, yeah, I would like peace with my family, but if there's somebody I'm not having peace with, then, then maybe no big deal. And then for others of us, 
Maybe there becomes a very a negative feeling. Maybe anger, despair, or discomfort when you look back on past family relationships or even current family relationships. And whether it was maybe a relationship with a parent or a, or a sibling or a child that has just gone horribly wrong and it's you understand what it's like to not have peace in those relationships. Arguments, unfulfilled expectations, abandonment, disappointment, and other negative attitudes are attached to your family experience. In our bathroom, in our, in our bathroom, in our bedroom, we have this uh, little poster hanging up, a little decoration that says family. And it's got this amazing quote or poem on it uh, that you know, describes what, we, what family ought to be. I want to read it to you right quick. It says this, Family is at the center of life's meaning. Individuals linked together by a golden chain of hope. Family celebrate triumphs and shares adversities across generations and across miles. Like a never-ending hug, Family encircles each member with steadfast devotion and enduring joy. Family is to belong to and believing in each other. Wouldn't it be great if that was always true? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if like, the quote on that poster was like that, the way it actually happened in our life? But you and I both know there's not always peace in this, I love the way it says there, this golden chain of love. Right? That's not always how we would describe how things go on in our family. Like We might describe other things, but the golden chain of love is not it. Maybe it's uh, you know just how... We think about, oh, when mom calls or when dad calls or when I have to talk to this person in my family, you know, I get anxious. We all have those people in our family that, you know, are maybe the the weird relatives. Do you have those in your family? If you say no, then you're probably the weird relative, all right? I mean, if you can't identify who that is, you're probably, yeah. But, you know, family life sometimes, as much as we want it to be, like all nice and neat, sometimes things just go crazy. We had this dog growing up. His name was Fred, a very original name for a dog. But uh, we found him one day. He was at the. We just. He was like this stray dog. We found him and took him in, and uh, we created this pen for Fred in the back. Well, Fred was the Harry Houdini of dogs because anything that we created, he would escape from. I mean, he would find a post that was loose or a fence, and he would just dig, and he would... And there was literally one time we built about a 10-foot thing to keep him in, and we watched him. He would get like a race car and go circling faster and faster until he could hook onto the top and literally pull himself over. And he was not a big dog. He was a little boxer thing. And, and when he would get out, he would just go crazy. I mean, he would get it. One time he came back and he got bitten by a snake and his whole face was swollen up. He came back one time and he had found something dead that he had been rolling in. It was just like this horrible stench. I mean, Fred loved to break out of the pen, find the weakness, and get out. And you're like, what does that have to do with families, right? And, you know, I feel like sometimes our family relationships are that way. We want things to be set and settled, but it's hard to control what other people do sometimes. It's hard to, you know, I wish they would think, I wish they would see it this way or that way. And instead, we have these loose pins and people running everywhere. And I want to bring it even a little closer, like, in our immediate families. How do we engage with creating this foundation this environment where we can have healthy family relationships and crazy things aren't happening all the time. So my goal today is this. I don't want to try to help us necessarily work through every past family issue. We're not having a therapy session today of going through and like dealing with all those. I want to try to set though a framework 
for how do we move forward in laying a groundwork for a positive family relationships. And we're going to do that from a biblical perspective looking at Ephesians today. Now this passage out of Ephesians contains a ton of truth about engaging in families. Uh, And so I just want to kind of look at some key verses right quick. So uh, chapter 5, we'll start in verse 22. And I just want to read like 22, 25. I'm going to jump around a little bit. It says, verse 22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. The key word right there as we talk about submit, the key idea is that of respect. And we're going to come back and talk about that. Verse 25 says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. The key word there is love. Right? The key concept is love. Verse Chapter 6, verse 1 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. The key word there is honor. Honor. And then verse 4 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so the way I encapsulate that with one word is to encourage. Encourage. So when we look at this passage in a whole, basically what Paul's doing here in his letter to the Ephesians is creating a framework by which families are to engage with. How do husbands and wife relate? How do parents and kids relate? And he says there's four key things that you need. Love, respect, honor, and encouragement. That's the framework that we're to build our family relationships around. Creating respect for one another. Creating a loving environment one for one another. Honoring one another. Encouraging one another. And I, and I want to tell you, when we look at this, and, and other research shows that this biblical model is incredible because when, when you look at family counseling, and I've done a little study in that, there are things that each of us desire. And I'm going to be paint some broad strokes here. Uh, everybody, I think, enjoys all those things. People like to be respected, like to be loved, like to be honored, and like to be encouraged. But when it comes to relationships between husbands and wives, men like to be respected, women like to be loved. And that's what we long for. When it comes to parent and child relationships, children like to be encouraged, parents like to be honored. And and what happens, I want to introduce you to what I call this crazy cycle that breaks down these posts and this framework in our lives. Here's what happens. And you can probably, I don't have to tell you an example because one will probably come to your mind very quickly. In, In husband and wife's relationship, if a man does not receive respect, do you know what he withholds? Love. And so if he withholds love, which the woman, the wife longs for, what does she start withholding? Respect. And so you get this circle of like, well, I'll love you when you respect me. Well, I'll respect you when you love me. And it creates this craziest cycle that we break down what we really need in our life. Same thing with parents and children, right? Like, Dad, I'll honor you when you encourage me, when I receive encouragement from you. And I'll go, well, I'll encourage you when you show honor to me. And if I don't, if you withhold encouragement, your children withhold honor. If they withhold honor, you withhold encouragement. It's this crazy cycle that when we become self-focused and say, you know, this is not being met, met in my life, and we start withholding the things that other people need, it breaks down the walls 
and the crazy dog gets loose, right? I mean, just craziness, and we don't know where it's going. And so today what I want us to do is I want us to lay understand how do we build these pillars, these four pieces of encouragement, honor, and love, and respect. How do we build those? Now, I want you to understand, even though it says wives submit to your husbands and husband loves your wife, love your wives, children honor your parents and parents encourage your kids, if we look at Scripture as a whole, we're all called to do all four of those things. All right, So it's not just up to the wife to be the submissive one in the relationship. It's not just up to the husband to be the loving one in the relationship or in the kids' relationship. You have to, we all have to commit to build these four things. And so how do we do it? Let's talk about respect to begin with. The first post that we need to lay out is respect. And so Ephesians 5, 22-23 says this, Wives, submit to your husbands as is to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and himself its Savior. I want to start off by saying this is not a passage about limiting or demeaning women. There's nothing in this passage that communicates that. Because submission and showing respect is actually one of the strongest things we can do. It's one of the the boldest things we can do to say, I respect somebody enough to listen to them, to, to honor them in that way. It's an act of submitting, which is a strong act. It's not, because, it's not a show of sign of weakness or that someone is a lesser person. Uh, it is actually about the wife modeling to the family what it means to respect and submit to authority. Everybody in here has some authority that we submit to. right? It's not a sign of weakness to submit. It's not at all. It's just part of our lives. And so as wives submit to their husband and respect, create an attitude of respect within the household, it teaches the entire family how to live respectful lives, how to engage respectfully. And so one of the lessons we can learn is the ability and willingness to submit and respect actually shows this great deal of strength and wisdom. So how do we do it? How do we build this environment of respect? And the first one I think is to be attentive. Be attentive. Consider what others' needs and want. And engage fully in the relationship. Respect with actually begins with being attentive to those around you. Imagine if we as a family, your family, always was attentive to the needs of the other people in the family. And we weren't first thinking, why didn't you do this for me? Instead of, what, what can I do for you? Being attentive is where respect starts. The second thing is this, is being supportive. Believing the best about others. Being excited about what excites other people in your family. doesn't mean... Katie loves to scrapbook, all right? I'm excited that she loves to scrapbook. Do I like to scrapbook? Absolutely not. I mean, that, that's, that, that would be torture for me to sit six hours and cut pictures and frame them in little hearts and decorate. That's not me. I mean, I, but just because it's something I don't like to do doesn't mean that I can't be excited about what she's doing. It's something that brings her joy. I like to watch football on Sunday afternoons or Saturday afternoons. Does Katie enjoy watching football? Absolutely not. But will she do that with me at times? Will she sit down and understand that's a part of what I enjoy? Yeah, she will. So it's being attentive and supportive, and, and also it leads to this being sincere. Respect means being sincere. Let this come from a heart of sincerity, not obligation. I'm not, doing, I'm not supporting you because I'm obligated to. It's because I sincerely care about you. Sincerely want what's best for us and our family. And so respect 
is this environment that we've got to create and model in our relationships of being attentive, supportive, and sincere with one another. How are you doing? How are you doing at building this attitude of respect within your family? The second thing is this, is love, right? And we look at Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. You know, to love, it basically goes on to say, to love your wife the same way that you love yourself. It's not based on just physical attraction, on selfish desires. It is a love that goes to the very core of your soul. I love you for who you are. Or you, you know, this impact that you have on their life. So, so how do we do this? Because this is not just waking up in the morning and saying, oh, I love you. You know, I'm glad you're in my life. It is, it is a love that is first this. To love sacrificially. To, <clears throat> a love like this will cost us time, energy, effort, and resources. And will have the most impact on our hearts. A love like this, to create an environment of love, Creates It starts with sacrifice. Being willing to sacrifice for those in your family. But it's not just to love sacrificially, it's also to love unconditionally. And I want to be very clear right here, this is impossible to do. Alright? There's only one that can do this, and that's God. God loves us unconditionally. But it does not mean it shouldn't be something that I strive for. And a type of love that I should model. That I want to love those in my family. I want to love people in my life unconditionally, not based on what they can do for me. That's what a conditional love is. If you make me feel this way, or you can do this, or you bring this to the relationship, then I will show you love. Instead, loving unconditionally says, I love you, period. In the statement. It's not based on something you It's based on the attitude of my heart that I bring to you. And that is very hard to do. It's very difficult to do, especially what if somebody's not showing respect or somebody's not honoring you, what do you what's your first inclination? Withhold. Hold that back. But this kind of love is an unconditional love. But the, the third thing is, is it's a it's perpetual love. It's always. It happens even when things are good and things are bad. I, I remember one time my mom said something to me. I'd I'd done something, I don't remember what it was. It was I did a lot of things growing up I shouldn't have done. I I think it was the time I got thrown out of an amusement park, and it was bad, bad day. <laughs> I got, I got home, and my mom, we were talking, and I was getting the lecture, and I, I don't remember anything else she said that day except this. She said, "Patrick, I don't like you too much right now, but I want you to know I still love you with all my heart." And it was this idea that, like, what I had done as a person was not something that was acceptable, and she was teaching me respect there. I didn't see it at the time; I see it now, but. But to know that was such a meaningful thing to me that that she said that, but she caught it with, you know, just because you did this, I want you to understand I don't love you any less. I don't want you to feel less loved because maybe I'm angry at you. And of all the things my mom said, my mom says a lot of stuff, that sticks with me and has stuck with me my entire life. So love that is perpetual. It's not based on what we do or our length of time. The, The third thing that we have to build, so we've got love and respect. The, the third fence post that we have to build is that of honoring one another. Honoring one another. Ephesians 6, 1 through 2, he talks about this in the context of parents and children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is a first commandment with a promise. You know, not everyone in here is a husband or a wife. 
Not everybody in here is a parent, but everybody in here is a child. You know, we, we all have been born. And we all have parents. Maybe we have great relationships with our parents. Maybe we don't. Maybe our parents are still living. Maybe they're not. We all are at different points in our life. But we've all had to have this relationship at some point in our life. And this call to obey and honor is key. Because what it helps us in this environment realize that I am not the central figure in my family. And that's a lot of times where family relationships blow up. Is when everybody tries to be the central figure. Like, I'm the most important. No, I'm the most important. No, I'm the... And we're, we're jockeying each other for position. And honor is literally saying, you know what, I will at times elevate you. And at times you will elevate me. And we will elevate each other because what we value more is our family than us as individuals. I was taught this in a conference one time of, you know, it's valuing us over me. That the us... Us of who we are is more important than just thinking about me. Us is central. And that's what honoring really is. And so how do we honor? One, we've got to have a willingness to listen. We've got to listen to our family. Listen to those that are in our life. Listen is more than just hearing. It is receiving. Listening to wisdom and experience. It's key. We, we can learn from other people. When I think about our family, we've got me, Katie, PJ, and Natalie. And if I say, look, I'm the oldest in our family, so I'm the only one that can bring truth and wisdom to our family because I've lived the longest. You know, that would be stupid, basically, because PJ and Natalie are learning things and experiencing things that I never did. Katie's doing things. We all bring wisdom to this family. We all bring, you know, truth to this family. And to honor that when it's when we can say, hey, yeah, you're right here. Uh, as a child, I used to hate this statement. And you could probably know, because I what? Said so. Why, why do I have to do it? Because I said... And I, you can ask them, I've tried not to ever use that, maybe on occasion. But I want to re- talk through it. I want them to have opportunity to have input so that we grow in honoring one another. As if, Listen. But not just listen, you've got to be willing to learn from one another as well. Learn from each other. Learn from what other people are going through in your family so you can grow as a family. Honoring is acknowledging that someone knows more than you, and you can learn from that. The idea is this, be teachable. In your family, no matter what role you play, be teachable. So be willing to listen, be willing to learn. That's how we honor one another. And then the last post that we have to build is this, is that of encouragement. How do we encourage one another? As a parent, I love this verse, chapter 6, verse 4. It's such a great reminder and a challenge as a father. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Encouraging is not just correcting behavior or praising behavior. It is actually creating a nourishing soil for people's lives to grow in. Imagine the soil of somebody's life. The soil itself is encouragement. And encouragement sometimes is not always just telling them what's the best about them. Sometimes it's telling them where they are struggling, where they're falling short, where they're being challenged in their life, and coming along and encouraging them as they grow. So encouragement is not just fluffing somebody up. Hey, you're doing great. You're perfect. Yay. It's not just, it is walking with creating a soil of nourishment for them to grow in. A healthy soil. How do we do that? One, we've got to understand each other individually. 
As much as us is important, every member of our family is different and brings different things to the table. And we have to understand each other individually. How do we communicate best? What brings them joy? Uh, you know, PJ's sixth grade year, one of the, uh, it, it was a, he would tell you it was a rough year for us. Just learning uh, to communicate. He was in his teenage years, just some normal things that go on in those times of life. And uh, we sat down and I said, it seems like we are having problems communicating. What do we need to do? And one of the things he shared with me that day was, I don't like it when you speak sarcastically to me. And I was like, I wanted to say something sarcastic. So, you know, I was like, immediately, well, it popped in my mind. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, because that's just my nature. And I'm like, oh, that's, how I co- that's how I communicate. And I had to really step back and go, you know what? It's not about how I communicate. That's not the key right here. It's learning how he receives encouragement. And if that's not a way that he can take it, I don't want to communicate to him that way. And, and we said that, I was like, PJ, I give you permission to tell me you're, you're being sarcastic with me. You know, stop. And he has. And he does. And, and I'm glad that we have that ability to do that. But we've got to learn how we communicate. That's understanding the individuality of each other. So understand them individually. And then praise people specifically. Praise them specifically. You know, the best encouragement is not when someone says, good job, but when they say, what was good about the job you did. There's a whole difference there. Just say, hey, good job, good job. That's great, but did you really see what I did? And that's what encouragement is, is when you actually tell them what was good about the job they did. And so praise them specifically, and then invest in them continually. You've got to look at people in your family as people that is is not a one and done. It's something we do over time. Over an entire season of our life, we do this differently. But, you know, my parents still invest in me. And I've been out of the house for 20 plus years. They still invest. They still engage in our lives. It's just different now. But it wasn't when I moved out at, at 21 that they were like, okay, we're done. Hands off. We'll never talk to you again. See you later. That they still are a part of our lives. So my question for you today is this. Where's your fence broken down? Where is it that things are getting in or things are escaping? There's a passage in Song of Solomon that says, basically, build a fence in the relationship to keep the foxes out. To come in, because they, they're going to come in and steal the grapes, is what it says. And, and that's what we need to do, is look at where is our fence broken? Where, where is the foxes getting in and where is Fred getting out? We've got to identify those. And I can almost guarantee you that most issues that we deal with in our family relationships can be traced back to one or more of these fence posts not being present. Encouragement's not there. Sense of love, unconditional love isn't there. Sense of respect isn't there. Honoring one another isn't there. Where is this cycle showing up in your life? Are you waiting on Him to show you love before you show respect? Are you waiting on your children to honor you before you encourage them? Are you waiting on your parents to encourage you before you show them honor? Or are you waiting on your wife to respect you before you love her deeply? Where is that crazy cycle showing up? By withholding any part or any portion of these, I want you to see something. When you withhold love, it does impact that person, but you know who it ultimately impacts as well? You. It comes back to you. Anytime you withhold one of these four things, it's eventually going to show back up and impact your life as well. 
best year of your life happens when we have peace with ourselves and with our family. And that comes when we build families around the peace found in Christ and the peace and the instruction that He brings in our life. I want to encourage you to build these four foundations and this framework strong in your life. No matter where you are in your family journey, married with kids, single, wherever you are, you can begin to lay this framework to have an incredible impact on building a healthy, peaceful family. Let's pray together.